Welcome to Kashmir's on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine. And tonight's show, I think, is going to be very interesting to a lot of people. It's going to touch on a few issues that we've mentioned a little bit before and some interesting shyless. Um, so, sometimes we discuss a shyl and sometimes we, we, we just tell you the, the general gist. I'll uh, see if I have the papers here. I'm not sure they're with me, in which case we'll probably pass on that one. Um, what we're going to be talking about is, number one, I'm going to mention a few shilas that I was asked during the week, and I'm going to tell you a little bit the people that I met and what they were asking about. First of all, we mentioned on this show a uh, few weeks ago, we were talking about the fact that in England the organization Kedasya uh, was setting up a program for controlling the simachos, the, the, uh, the dress, the women, and dressing in a sneastic fashion. So we mentioned here on the show, and people said, uh, some people were here, and some people maybe on the radio, on the, you know, on the phone, that uh, they're, they're taking care of it. You know, we have, uh, we have uniforms. So I want to tell you that uh, several people came up to me and told me that the uniforms, whatever they are, are not uh, appropriate, at least in many cases. So, and I, I've heard it from at least two people already coming to me with complaints about the uniforms that are being used in some of these smachos. And then there's also someone else pointed out to me that there's different staff that is functioning in the, in, in the place and there is no control over that of the staff. And I remember seeing numerous times uh, stores here in the, in, the, in the Flatbush area where they're very good hashkochas, and also I saw it in Borough Park, I believe, on the outskirts of Borough Park. I saw some very nice hashkochas, and yet the women who were working there were not appropriately clothed. And it's, it's definitely something which I think should be addressed by the community, and uh, again, we are always available if people want to use us as a, a, as a way of um, pulling all the parts together. But there has to be some kind of grassroots interest in this. Otherwise, I can't do all these projects myself. So that's one point. And another thing, I had I, an email, which is an interesting email from somebody, who asked me the following questions. He says, I've been to affairs where there is an evergreen or other growing items placed on the main dish for decor. And I want to tell you, uh, I've seen, this also is very common with these uh, edible flowers. I wonder if there's an issue with toloyim from these items. Now, I know nothing about evergreen. I told the gentleman, I don't know anything about the evergreen, if it has any issues or not. Could be that they're 100% clean. Could be that they're checked. I have no idea. But the concept of using something as a backdrop, let's say putting... Uh, uh, pieces of lettuce and, uh, and and cabbage and whatever uh, or something else underneath the uh, the fish uh, or or the fruit as a design you know to give you a ba- some nice background color uh, a lot of times these are not properly checked at all they figure people are not eating them but there are insects and we we we're, you know we're talking about live insects you know in a, on a, on a la- lettuce or on a cabbage you can have live insects. But in, this, in the thing that's very commonly used, the edible flowers, these, they put flowers on platters, etc. Those flowers are 
almost completely muchsuk betoyloyim. It means in almost every one of those flowers, you'll sign at least one bug. Not, not maybe. You will. I'm telling you. And you don't have to be uh, very good at checking. You'll see it. You'll sit there for a while. I don't know, shake it or whatever it is, try to get it to come out. But you're going to find them in there. How do we know? Because this is, we, we, I studied this. I, mean, I studied this uh, when they, they, they bought a bunch of them, and they, they, they showed us how every single one of them had, uh, had bugs in it. I, I think it's, uh, it's very foolish. A lot of people also don't know. They go to the backyard and they take uh, flowers into the house and you see the flowers have insects on the flowers. And they, I'm not saying, you, you know, you're not careful at the table, maybe nothing affects you, but invariably, flowers brought in from the outside are going to have insects. Just like you could find fruit flies on the fruit that you buy in the store, you can have these flies coming in with the, uh, with the flowers that you picked. So, so that, that's only as far as that goes. But a lot of people have an idea. I grow mint. I grow this. I grow that. What could be wrong? And I, I, what could be wrong is that there could be a lot of insects that are crawling on it. And a lot of people don't know how to properly check. That's unfortunate. So definitely these are things that you have to be careful. So this gentleman continues another question. I've been at many simchas where the caterers have reputable hashkocha. Yet the only people that manage uh, the, and uh, are waiters for these affairs are non-religious Jews or non-Jews without any hashkocha whatsoever over them. Nobody is there representing uh, Yiddishkeit. And, and he wants to know that there could be many obstacles, beginning with Boshes and Salamanayan, etc. Now, this is one of the things we talk about every year. We talk about what could go wrong with a Kiddush and why you need a Mashkiach and why you need a Shomer Shabbos there. But one thing that he didn't understand and I try to explain to him is that there's two kinds of parties. There's a drop-off party and there's a party that's made where the uh, caterer is actually catering that affair. But many times it's just a drop-off party. He sells you the food and then you say, can you get me some waiters? I'll get you some waiters. But he doesn't give you anything with his name on it to put out. He doesn't give you napkins with his name on it. He doesn't give you a little cards or whatever it is. He doesn't do anything that gives you a flavor that this is his affair. He won't have his name on it because all he's doing is selling you the food and he's, uh, and he's uh, getting you, if you ask for him, he'll get you waiters. Invariably, he can't get that many uh, Jewish waiters and very often he can't get a Shomer Shabbos waiter. And everybody knows that in a few weeks we're going to have Parshas Noyach. And Parshas Noyach is the worst Shabbos of the year because every single uh, shul that we know is going to have a Kiddush because there was a, there was a Chassan Torah, Chassan Bracious, and they decided they're going to make a Kiddush the very next week. So uh, the next week or two weeks later, sometimes because they can't make it on, 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 on Bracious, so they make it on Noyach. Most of the time it's on Noyach. And there's Kiddushes every single shul across Brooklyn, across every area. There's not enough Shomer Shabbos waiters and mashkichim to cover such, an, such a day. It's just not, it's not possible. And there is really no effort to make it happen. And therefore, uh, only those shuls that are taking this seriously will go out of their way to make sure that they have proper supervision at the affair. Another thing he mentioned now, um, he, he saw cheese danishes, danishes 
being served at a fleshika bris. Now, most times there's not a fleshika bris. Most times at a bris, there's a fleshika table, or there is a, there is a um, uh, one platter of meat that's put on the table, and if people want it, they take from it, and the rest of the people are eating part of it. But cheese danishes cannot be served on the same table where you have meat. It could be that there, if in a case where you have one table that's only for meat and some people are sitting there that want to be bali simcha themselves and they want to have a little meat. So if they put cheese danishes on the other tables, it, it may be a mechshol, but it's certainly not an iser. But if you're going ahead and put it on the same table with his meat, that's an iser. It's a special halach in shulchan orch that you can't put milkachs and fleshachs on a table that you're eating on. And, he, and then he came to us with another question. He said, how can the Rav he said, I'm sorry, a non-religious waiter he saw buying paper goods on Shabbos for a Kiddush. This comes up all the time that a non-Jewish person is doing something which is either he brings food from the, from the commissary, he buys things in, in the store. Obviously it's real. And, in this, and in, in what usually is happening is he's buying it himself. He's not, uh, he's not being told by the caterer to go out and buy some, some more napkins. But he goes out, he doesn't want the thing to be the fair to be a flop. He doesn't want people to suffer. So Al-Sashat said he goes out and buys it. Now, it costs him $10, $15. This guy's not a millionaire. Is he going to pay it out himself, or is he going to ask the caterer to give him the money afterwards? So he very well will ask, very possibly will ask the caterer to give him the money. Now, at that point, does the caterer ask him, did you do this on Shabbos? Uh, he may ask him. He may not ask him that. He may just not bother, just give him the 15 bucks. He may ask him if he did it on Shabbos. And if he did it on Shabbos, then he may, if he did it on Shabbos, then he may um, tell him that he, uh, he, he, may, he may tell them that uh, you're not supposed to do that. But he doesn't stop him and doesn't fire him. And that's the problem. So it's not the same as sending somebody out, but he's covering up for him afterwards and he's allowing it. And therefore, the man knows next time. I'll do the same thing. And that is unfortunately what is happening many, many, many times at different Shabbos Kiddushes. And uh, we had a situation in Borough Park, which everybody knows about, where a non-Jew working at the, you know, in, in a uh, restaurant that was under Hashkoch with the Mashkir on the premises, he left the store, went across the street, and bought non-kosher hot dogs. And he used it in this glatt kosher Borough Park restaurant and served it to people. And only afterwards was a court, after they had been eaten, was caught. They found the package, this and that. And it meant that he had the freedom, the ability to go out and fill in when something was missing and spend money that was in the cash register or that he's going to ask back for later on. I don't know exactly how it works. And he had the freedom to go out and buy things on the outside and bring it into the store. He felt that freedom. That's not right. It should be that if, if he even buys the tissues without b- being sent out and it being checked in by the mashkiach, he should be fired. Or if he's not fired, reprimanded, and then eventually the second time fired. But that's the, that should be the standard, and it's not.
It's not the standard. Maybe he gets a little Mishaberach, but he doesn't get it the f- fully because no one would have the chutzpah to do that. I mean, it, obviously he wasn't trying to make a tray for thing for, the, for everybody. He didn't see anything wrong with it. Or sometimes they send them across the street to buy something, and uh, it's not, the, it's not uh, hot dogs. It could be they send them across the street to buy, to, to, to buy something, a potato salad. And there's a from store across the street. But he somehow stopped in another section of the store, or he stopped at another store, and he picked it up and he brought it in. They shouldn't have such freedom. Anyway, these are some of the points that this gentleman um, had raised. And he's asking, how can the Mash- Rav HaMachshir allow these affairs to take place without a mashkiach? It is not the job of the Rav HaMachshir to take care of this. It's a, it's a communication problem between the host and the caterer that's causing the problem. The host thinks the caterer is catering it. And he might even say, this is so-and-so's kiddush, meaning the caterer's name. But it's not true. If you bought the food, that doesn't make it their kiddush. It's your kiddush, and the, 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 the host is totally responsible. And that's why we as guests have to sometimes ask the host a couple of questions. You know, uh, who's, uh, who's, uh, who's the caterer this week? Is there a mashkiach here or is somebody representing the caterer? And in many cases, the answer to the second question is nobody's here from them. We have some waiters, and that's where everything, but all the food was made in this place. I understand the food was made there, but who is watching the show? And if the, the host himself would be aware of what has to be done and open his eyes and go visit the, uh, Friday night, Shabbos morning before the davening, once or twice and then run out and then run back, so he could control everything if he knew what he was doing. But if he doesn't step out at all, if he doesn't know what to do, he's relying on them to take care of it, and them is not Jews, it's a very, very, very big mistake. And obviously, you see that things can come from it. These are just a few of the examples. That's one thing that we had in mind to talk about. The other thing is I want to tell you a, a story that happened. It's, I forgot to bring in the papers. That's how things go around here. I have them probably sitting around somewhere, uh, but they don't seem to be here. The, the, the child that we wanted to discuss is something that I was asked this week. And it's a very interesting Shiloh. Somebody was very sick, and that's the beginning of the Shiloh. And they wanted to have, I mean, the, the family wanted to give them a certain product, and the product was definitely not made in a kosher manner. And the Shiloh was whether we could give this product to these, to these people, to this person. The product was made, it's called Magic Cup, and it was made using gelatin. We found, we, I checked up on the, on the, on the internet what uh, the ingredients were, and they were used, it's gelatin, and there's another ingredient that's a concern also. So I told the gentleman that um, it, it's possible, listen, it, it, it's a special product, and this person is very sick, and by the way, the person didn't make it. Uh, so the, the, the person is very sick, and we need to get it to him if we can. But you want to know if it's kosher, so let's go and do some homework. So I said, maybe they'll find out if it is, if it is nullified or not, if, it, if there's shishim against it, 60 against it in the product. 
So he went and he found out from the company that it was bottled, it was nullified, and that was where we left it. Um, and there was other issues that I didn't bring up to him, and I want to share with those issues with you now. First of all, is gelatin kosher or not kosher? So we've discussed that here before. I'm just going to briefly review, uh, and you should know that um, gelatin is, uh, is a shayla, Chaim Oizer Grzynski, one of the Gedoli HaOilam from the previous generation, was makel on, uh, on gelatin. And the reasons were three reasons, basically. One, he said that the, it comes from bones, and the bones that the gelatin comes from are not considered to be meat. Because a bone is not meat, the Shulchan Aruch discusses that it, it's not meat. Number two, because gelatin is considered a new product, and it's not like the original thing that it was. It's called Ponem Chadoshus. New thing came and visited us. Something that wasn't here before. Before we had a piece of meat, we had a bone, and here we have something else that this powder, that's a gelatin, it's a, it's, it, it's a byproduct of the, that bone, but it's not the bone itself, it's not meat. And therefore, he held it was Ponem Chadoshus. And the third reason he was Mekel is because he said it, it, um, the, the gelatin is rendered inedible for a period of time during its processing. It's nifsal miachila. Nobody would eat it at the stages that it was going through. And therefore, it, even though later on we use it in food, he held that that wouldn't change the fact. But Ramosha Feinstein of Iron Cutler disagreed with him, and they held that... Uh, that non-kosher animals' bones are not kosher. So you can't use that first hetu that he had. And there's a dis- further discussions into what, whether they agree or they don't agree with it. And I'm not going to, you know, belabor the point. There was a very, very big machlaikas in it. My Rebbe Zatzal was Rosh Zimman, and he said to me a couple of times, Rabbi Yosef, never say that gelatin is not kosher. So... Uh, because Reb Chaim Oizer was mekel. We don't use it necessarily. I'm not, I'm not saying you should say it's, it's fine, but we shouldn't say it's not kosher because a gadol be Yisrael, Reb Chaim Oizer, paskin that it's mutter. So I kept quiet about it all the time. Whenever we had the shilas, I, I tried not to say treif, 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 but uh, we don't use it, etc., etc. So the question that this gentleman had about this madra cup was that this is gelatin. So part of the heter that I was trying to develop was based on the idea that it's gelatin and Reb Chaim Oizer was makel on gelatin, even though we're machmir. And all the years until they produced real kosher gelatin, Rabbi Shimon Ida was the first one, and then, and then the, the, there was a few people who produced the fish gelatin, and in today's world, there's many kosher gelatins available, mostly fish gelatin. But the, before that time, we never used anything because we didn't go with Reb Chaim Oizer. But on the, on the halacha side, we can't dismiss Reb Chaim Oizer, and certainly would be good for a suffix. So but because of that, and because it was bottle in terms of the, the size, I thought that that would be very good. But there was one catch, and the catch is that gelatin is what we call davar hamaymed. It changes the status of the food. And these things is put into to give it body, 
to make it congeal, to make it come together. Just like when you're making cheese, you use the rennet to make it solidify and come together in the mass, and that gives it its strength, and it's and the fact that it's a cheese and not a, a wimpy milk. So it's, a, it's all basically this, this rennet that's doing it. So that's called a maimed. And the halacha is that a davraham maimed afilu be'elef lo botel. So therefore, it shouldn't be nullified even if we had shishim. So what are we going to tell this person? And this fellow was very sick. So I felt to leave it that we're going to be letting him have it based on the Rebchayim Moiser. And in that case, if Rebchayim Moiser was right, then it's bottle. And there's no davraham maimed, which is usher. It has to be a maimed of iser. And since this is not usher, it wouldn't be a problem. So it boils down to that. Plus the fact that it's batal b'shishim, even if you say it's a maimed, it's only a shalif min darabonin. And a suffix darabonin lakula. And Rabbi Chaim Moser was strong enough to be a suffix darabonin lakula. So for these different reasons, I was going to let him give this to the person. Unfortunately, the person did not make it, although that's how we dealt with that halacha. I was going to tell you a piece, which I may have said on the radio before. It's a beautiful piece. I didn't bring it in. Uh, forgot it. Maybe we'll do it for another time. But basically, it was a, it was a Hassam cipher, and he had a very interesting Shiloh where he dealt with it in a similar way to what I just discussed. Now, if you want to see it, those people who can learn, uh, it's in the last Pischei Tshuva in Simon Pei Zion in Yeridea. Now, I'll accept any calls if you want, and we're going to take up some other topics until somebody reaches us. You can reach us now, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and you can text us at 347-927-8398. Again, text us, 347-927-8398, or call us, 718-683-5858. Uh, and uh, when we, as soon as you get to us, we'll be able to deal with your questions. Next week in Miyat Hashem, we have a special guest. We've had him before, Rabbi Avram Wright. And uh, if you remember, he's, he's wrote a number of svarim on different interesting topics tied into the, uh, to the uh, Yom Noroyim and the Yom Tovim at a particular time now. Yom Tovim, uh, he had on a shofar. He had on, on various things. We even had on... on uh, and Chaburah Matzahs, which I love that show very much, which we did before Pesach. And he's coming back because he has a new Sefer. He's going to tell you how to blow a shofar. And this one, I really want to hear because I never mastered it. He's going to tell us how to blow a shofar. It's a new Sefer he has. It's, a com- it's, it's to be combined with his other Sefer, which is about how to shop for a shofar and how not to get ripped off and how to get the best quality and the right price and all kinds of good ideas about the buying. And also he tied in a little bit with this, but now he's going to tell us how to blow a chauffeur, how to train yourself to blow a chauffeur. It it's really sounds very, very interesting. So if you're interested in chauffeur at all, then, call, then listen next week to Rabbi Avram Wright, who will be our guest. I see we have a few callers, but before we have a call, do you want to make an announcement? We want to make an announcement. Yes, uh, first of all, uh, thank you. I just want to announce that we joined the... the the, what do you call it? The operation uh, shut off in the in the in the shul. Don't not talk in the shul. Basically, that uh, trying to to do it. Uh, you and I are charter members already. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, this is something that we, we in our shul, 18 years, right. it's no talking. It's, it's really a great, great to announce it, that uh, really uh, everybody is going to do, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, forceful uh, Shabbat, that people will take seriously about how, how not to talk in shul, how not to talk in shul, you know, and this is... Right, you, you, have, to, you have to learn it, because most people, by their nature, feel, oh, talking means talking excessively. Talking means talking loud. Talking means talking at the wrong time. But when no talking means no talking. You know what? I, I took upon myself, you know, in a minute I put my talit, I don't talk at You're all. Finished. Period. And it's it's very helpful because people know, you know, don't come. And in our shul, if somebody has a question, they're very chashuvi a question. Yeah. If he wants to ask the question the rabbi, you know, and he cannot wait, our rabbi get up, went out, going outside, take the, the guy outside and speak with him outside from the shul. What is the answer? What is the question? And then go back. This is the Ya'areg velo ya'avor. It's something that it's Beautiful. not, it's something that you have to, and this is an approach also to many, many rabbis, you know. Oh, it's only Dvar Torah. It's only question about the Torah. It's not such a thing that you have to get up, take out yourself. Many people come to me, approach me, this thing I want, I get out, going out from the shul, take out my talit and talk with him and come back. Just going to tell you one thing. I see we have calls. I mean, yes. but but I so tell them about exactly what it is next Shabbos. Yes, next uh, Shoftim is the outside of uh, the, the Baltos for Yom Tov. That uh, the the rabbi that mechaber uh, the the Mishi Barach to the people that careful uh, uh, careful and tefillah. Yes, yeah. By us we don't have it, but it's <laughs> yeah, I want you to know that I daven a lot in Mir Yeshiva, and the Rosh Yeshiva used to walk up and down during Chazar Sashats throughout the whole base medrash, the big base medrash, always walking around nonstop the whole, the whole uh, uh, Chazar Sashats because he wanted no talking. And he said to us, people look to the Mi Yeshiva, they have to see here no talking. So he himself walked up and down the aisles throughout the whole Chazar Sashats. You know, you know, the Shulchan Aruch, it's the one place, only place that is in the Shulchan Aruch, they said, Go'arim Bo. Right. You know, this is that it's very sharp language. We're going to take some callers. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hello, you're on Kashmir on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I want to know about Slurpee. I'm going to 7-Eleven. Oh, no, 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 no. The Slurpees, you have to call me at the office. We made a, a, a belineda that I'm not going to talk about on the station. It's too, too many times. Almost every show somebody brings it up. You can call me. I'll call you back. Anything. Call 718-336-8544. I can send you things, I can, whatever you want, but I'm not going to do it here. 718-336-8544. Thank you very much. Go ahead. You're on Cassius on the air. Can we help you? Hello? Yeah, you're on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, I want about Red Bull. They drink Red Bulls. Is it kosher enough? I'll tell you, I, I, somebody asked a few weeks ago, at that point I looked it up again and I forgot it. I always forget these things because I don't have it myself, so I don't always forget. What you do is you go to the website called CRC Web. Dot org. That's C-R-C-W-E-B dot O-R-G. And you type in, uh, you, they, they have a thing there called kosher, uh, sorry, consumer, and then kosher, 
and their lists. They say they mention their lists. The first, li the main list that they have is the be uh, the beverage list, and it tells you just which ones are acceptable in every single soda you can imagine. But I know Red Bull is there, and I don't think all Red Bull is acceptable, but you can see there a pile of names about Red Bull. So take a look at it, and you'll, ha you'll know for the future. Every few months, go back and check that list again. You can print it out, but every few months, check it again because they're always changing it. Okay, thank you for the call. Yeah, you're welcome. So what's the web again? With the, you want to know the, uh, the address again? C-R-C W-E-B dot O-R-G C-R-C web dot org and you'll find it there uh, even if you just type it into a, a, a Google search you'll find it also just say uh, C-R-C uh, web dot org uh, uh, you know uh, beverage list or C-R-C beverage list it'll come up okay Thank you very much. Have a good day. Certainly welcome. Bye bye. Okay, uh, we have we. Lisa, we need a little help. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is about the kosher, quite across America. Okay, so it's next Shabbos, September 9th and 10th. You can also give it up on talking on Friday morning and then once a Shabbos. Also, it doesn't have to be just only the 24 hours. But this is what it says, that uh, they're going to, all those who are macabre to join quiet, quiet Across America Shabbos and join the Stop Talking and Chill movement are welcome to send their names for tefillahs on the Yort site, which will be next week. Send your names for davening at, to stopthetalking at gmail.com. Stopthetalking at gmail.com. And you really should talk it up, because if you yourself are careful not to talk, then this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Most people who are careful about anything, they don't speak Lashon Hara, they don't speak in Shul, they don't do this, they don't do that, they have no way of ever communicating that to anybody else. When I, when I see people in Shul, I don't know what they do. If somebody gets on his cell phone in the middle of the shul, I know what he does. But how do I know that that other person is not talking because he chose to not to, to speak? So we, the people who are careful about not speaking in shul, are at a loss because we're a minority and nobody knows we exist. And even if we're a majority, nobody knows we exist. The only way is through this method that next week, this Shabbos, every shul should accept upon themselves the rabbi should say something, the rabbi should get up, something should be done. Say the Misha Beirach, tell people the, the contact, stop the, the, the talking at gmail.com, put your name in, announce it during the week, push it. It cost, doesn't cost anything, and it will affect some of the people who will stop talking. And that itself is amazing. You know, I always say, why is it that non-Jews didn't all come to see us and convert? Why didn't they follow us constantly day and night? And the, uh, the, the newspaper men following us, they taking videos of us, and they should be wanting to, to live our life. The answer is because they don't see a lot of the Kedusha. We feel it maybe on Shabbos, etc., Maybe we feel it in davening, but they can't see it. 
If you would look into the shul and you see people talking to each other, it doesn't look, it's not, it doesn't look very reverent, doesn't look very respectful to Hashem. You don't get any special uh, feeling about that shul. Even if the people in the Shemun Esrei are davening beautifully. But if they're talking in Chazor Sashatz, it shows that they're not machshev the whole thing. So how can anybody get the feeling that anything special happening here? The only way is if they could walk into shul and see nobody turning to their neighbor and motioning. I see this all the time, these young kids. They are not talking, but they're moving their lips and saying every single word without a sound coming out. And the other boy is answering them with the same exact way. And they're speaking without speaking. So did they speak in shul? Well, you know, if you get it, if you get the point, not speaking in shul isn't just the words. It's understanding what shul is all about. And if you are talking to your friend doing the whole chazor shots, but no words come out, I hope in, I hope in the tefillahs the words came out, but if no words are coming out, you still talked. You did the, what talking is all about. You communicated with your friend, the Milishman of Chazor Sashatz. You're not tuned in to the Kriya Torah. You're not tuned in to Chazor Sashatz. You're not in shul. You're with your friend on the point in the park. So obviously, you don't get it. And, and somebody who's sitting there, a Balchuv or a, 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 somebody, a Geir, was trying to be a Geir, or trying to become a Balchuv, or somebody who never, had, never saw it in their life, they just happened to be stuck there because it's a Bar Mitzvah, and they came for the Bar Mitzvah, and this is the first time they're seeing an Orthodox shul, and they look around, not impressive, not impressive, everybody talking to his neighbor, not impressive at all. Oh, but the right time, you can talk now, you can talk then. This is a Chabalza Shabbos, you can, you can talk until, until Baruch, you can talk here, you can talk there. You could talk everywhere, but that's not the point. You're not in the show. I that's, want to tell you, though, that's something that uh, we, well, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of approach to <laughs> the shul. When you come to the shul, you have to feel a, to different, a different you feeling, feel. you know, a different, you know, when you come to a, to a, a junction with a, a, a radio or a camera, police camera, right, right, right. right? you, you stop and get nervous and careful, you have to feel, a, well, you know, much more stronger feeling of Yerat HaShemayim, you know. It's this, also good that this, people this, feel home in the show. It's good they feel home okay, in the show. No, they should uh, feel, it's their show, they feel it should be at home. No, but this but is, the, this, they should know that it means is it, it's not just the same thing. That I, you know, like people, but so many people, uh, they daven in the house, and they're davening without, without the shoes on, without this on, without that. You know, they're, they're so relaxed about it. It's, they, they're doing the same thing in shul, so too relaxed. But, you know, the, the, shul, the shul is like something that we have to, to understand. This is our direct communication Correct. with the Creator, right. with This is the, the best time that you have. Okay, let's We've go. we got another to... call. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Yes, Rabbi. Uh, in reference to beer, two questions. One, does it need a heckler? And two, I was t- told a long time ago that the head, the white head on top of the beer, is made from a dairy derogative. Sorry, derivative. Yes. Well, uh, let me tell you that that part is not true. But but the uh, it, 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 what, it, just because it looks like white to you and that's why that's no, not true. But the uh, the other question: Do you need hashkocha on beer? This is a fight that I have had with many people in the kashrus community for 20, 30 years. I'll tell you. I'll take you back to ancient history. And if you if, if I would tell you how far back it is, you're going to think I'm an old man, and I'm not that old yet. But the, okay. uh, but but I remember 
many, many years ago, it's a nice number of decades, there was a publication, maybe it's still printed, called Zymergy, Z-Y-M-U-R-G-Y. Zymergy is how to make beer. And they had in that beer-making publication a list of different ingredients that are used that are 150% trafe. Not, not maybe a little bit. These are 150% trafe, and they're, they're mentioning all these ingredients are in beers. So I started a whole campaign at that time. And I went and I said, you know, there's an issue here on the beers. And I, I'm not going to mention names of people. Some of them are not here anymore. They started sending out letters all across America to the different beer-making companies. And they sent the letters, and they, on the basis of those letters, they told me that there is no problem, and I'm making a big story out of nothing. So I said, Do you really? And they said, yeah, we sent letters. I said, what kind of letter did you send? So this rabbi, who was a very well-known rabbi, who's no longer living, so he sent these letters with his name on it, Rabbi da-da-da-da-da. I said, you're signing that, that letter like that? Yes, and I said, a letter. The Jewish community wants to know, for kosher reasons. This is a letter you send out to a company to find out if there's any animal product in there? That's ridiculous. You're not going to, you, you, you're giving away the answer. You're telling him what you want to hear. You're not going to get the right answer. And everyone said, we only use the, the hops and the water and this, nothing else. So I asked them, I said, I said, they asked this rabbi, so what's with the Zymergy article? Oh, it must be the foreign beers. Now, if you know anything about Germany and these countries where they, where they make beers, that's their livelihood. That's everything to them. And they told us on the no, no, no question at all, they don't use anything but the hops and the water, whatever is the main ingredients. They don't touch anything else. Every country, wherever you go, they don't use a thing. But if you study the beer-making journals, they're filled with the trafe that's in the beers. There was a fellow in Chicago. He's no longer living. Many, many years ago, when my magazine was called the Kashras Newsletter, now it's called Kashras Magazine, when it was called Kashras Newsletter, he used to sell it in Chicago. And he was my representative. He put it out in stores, collected the money, sent me some money. It was a wonderful arrangement, a very nice man. He told, he, his main uh, business was distributing beers. He, he, and he drank a lot, too. He liked to drink. He loved the beers. And the, the, the comp- beer companies told him, don't drink this one. This, you, this, this is not kosher for you. Don't use this one. It's got stuff you, you wouldn't want. They knew what he wanted, and they told him not to use the beers. And yet the rabbis have always been coming back. There's no problem. So now, with, with no, big, no big deal, you can go to the Internet and you go to Barnivore, B-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-E, Barnivore, and you'll see over there a site which is for, for people who are vegetarian. And it tells you all the beers that are filled with not kosher ingredients. One of their ingredients is, which is a very common problem, is that they use a they, they use from a um, from a, a non-kosher fish. They use stomachs, 
in order to filter the beer to get out any uh, and they use so icing glass, and the and, and this is from from non kosher fish, and they use that to, as a filter, as a like a to, like a gelatin to attract it and to separate it out so you'll have a clear liquid. Now that there's a, a residue of this uh, the icing glass in all those beers, and there are slews of beers. This ones that are served by everybody at the uh, at the Shalom Zachers. They, they they're all you could check them up on Barnivore. They'll tell you which ones use icing glass, and it's most of them. One big company decided to give it up just this year, and I mentioned it in Kasher's magazine. But in general, they're into this icing glass. In addition, there's other ingredients that are not kosher, slews of them. But what the kosherist community came to me and said, listen, Rabbi Wickler, we're going to disagree with you, and we're going to fight you on it. They said, because the result, in the end, anything in there is bottle. So they're relying on that. I said, but in this day and age, where you're telling me they're giving hashkochas now on medicines, which we never even dreamed of, there's hashkocha now on marijuana. There's hashkocha on medicines. They're trying to, to break through to all the medicines to become kosher. Where halachically, there's a big question if you even need to have kosher. And that they're going to do, but they're not going to straighten out and, uh, and forbid you using beers. They'll let you use any beer you want, as long as it's uh, not made by a major beer company and it's not flavored. Otherwise, they'll let you use any beer you want. If it's a small beer company called a microbrewery, then they have concerns. And that itself only started a few years ago, but Baruch Hashem, at least they recognize the microbreweries have technical problems in terms of the kashras, and therefore that, that they're advising not to use. So that's a little idea what's going on in the beers, and it's, it's a fight that I've had for years. Yes, I recommend to everybody, there's enough thing beers now with Hashkocha, the Coors and the, and the Israeli ones, and there's plenty of beers that have hashkocha. Ask for it. Get your from stores to carry it. That's what should be done. I really 100% believe that, and I think it will save a lot of people from, from eating something that's not 100% kosher. Thank you very much. And I want to I bench you all, the whole, your whole gang out there for coming out against speaking in the base medrash because I am the Ishtar of my base medrash. <laughs> I understand what you mean. <laughs> I, I don't fight with people about that. I, I have, I'm too busy with other things, working on the tefillin and stuff like that, so I don't have the chance to... I don't have no, no, I am to, a guy. But I understand. In different, but but yes. the, the, the big problem is... It, it's to you. Take good care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. The problem is that people don't really understand... The, there's an Easter in talking. They think it's just decorum, it's nice. They don't get the point. If you look in the Shulchan Aruch, you'll see the word Easter, you'll see the word in, in, that you're not allowed. Mm-hmm. They were brought up, they sat next to it. I don't want to give it away too much, but there was a, when I, there was a Takufa that lived in a different area of Brooklyn. And when I lived in that other area of Brooklyn, there were different minyanim in one big building. And sometimes they had minyanim where the boys sat themselves, sat by themselves, and they and they were sitting there with leaders. I'm not going to give you the details, but they were sitting there with leaders. They weren't sitting with their fathers. And when they were sitting there with the leaders, the leaders kept telling the boys not to talk in davening, and the leaders were all talking to each other. 
So what, were the, what was the chinuch? You can talk to each other if you're old enough, just like you can drive a car when you're old enough, you could talk to each other when you're old enough. So the chinuch of that minion was the talking is mutter as long as you're old enough. And that, that way, when they got older, there was a minion there. I'm not going to tell you the details. It was a, for boys who were older than, than that little minion. And those, those boys who were already now very mature boys, teenagers and maybe early 20s, non-stop talking. Because the chinuch was, no one's going to stop you when you're old enough. You're old enough to drink, you're old enough to drive, you're old enough to talk in the middle of davening. I approach quite a few Rosh uh, Hashiva about this issue. What kind of education we teach our kids about it? And it's, it's, not, it's not simple because, you know, uh, they, 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 somehow, even the Rabbanim, I'm not just so... Don't see what's wrong with you. No, I just learning. I just learning during during Chazara. I just even the Shulchan Aruch said it. Don't do it. Right. You know. So, uh, we but know. I told you the story here. You have to hear it again. This I, I I know he mentioned the story here. There's this fellow. I wrote it up in the magazine. This fellow in the ma- he was he was he was questioning whether he has to keep the Shulchan Aruch anymore because he saw everybody talking in Shul. This is a true story. He saw everybody talking in yeshiva. And he was, and he was a very well-known yeshiva. And he decided, well, you've got to find in the end who it was anyway. So I'm going to tell the story, the full story. So he was, he was, was bothering him. He saw people talking. He didn't, and, he, and he said, if they don't follow the Shulchan Aruch, I don't have to follow the Shulchan Aruch. Yeah. That's what he said. You then, he met, then he saw Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was a Rosh Shiva. In, in Torah Vadas. And he saw that Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky followed the entire Chazar Sashatz, moving his finger from word to word during the Chazar Sashatz. He did not take his eyes off the Siddur, the entire Chazar Sashatz. And you, don't you think Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky knew his davening Baal <laughs> Don't you think he knew that Baal Peh? Every word he was mechavent. He, he was, uh, and we know, but you know, we, we we know, but the Manchester Rav, we know everybody knows about him. But but that's the way, that that's the way it's supposed to be. But we know Chachamim used to pray three hours each year, one hour well, before, preparing. one hour during the Amidah, and one hour after. It's like taking off, flying, and landing. You know, this you have to prepare yourself. You know, right. people don't realize. You know, Nefesh Chachamim talking about so much about it. We spoke about. And okay, we have a listener, so yeah, we, we can talk we'll about it hours and hours. Okay, good. You're on the air. You're on Kasha's on the air. This is Rabbi Yosef Wickler. Can I help you? Yeah, I have a question. Uh, I noticed that a lot of stores, it could be maybe I should be down with Kasha's better, but a lot of stores that have that advertise that are on the national level that have Mashiach to meet them, I, I would say that m- most of them, what I saw, and I go out to eat plenty, are debatable Shemr Shabbos. Guys, that looks like, you know, when you talk to them after a couple of minutes, you walk out there without buying because they don't really sound like they know protocol or anything, you know. And these organizations are, are saying, you know, the Hemisha Commission, less from us, we have a to me, you know. As far as I'm concerned, I'd rather eat in the pizza store in Barapak and Lansburg when there's an elderly guy behind the counter than boasting they have a to me, and the guy telling me he checks later, he runs it on the soap and water, and uh, he doesn't have to check it because uh, the bugs are bubbling on the soap or something like that. So, it, I mean... Is, is there a standard when they pick a mishkich to read you, or it's like hanging a help wanted sign so whoever answers and, okay, you're orthodox, so you go to shul, no problem, you're in. That's what it sounds like. 
Well, the, I'll, let me explain it from the other point of view. I hear what you're saying, but the, let me explain it to you from the other point of view. Every Rav examines whether the guy is really Shomer Shabbos or not. Because if he's not Shomer Shabbos, they need a different level of Hashkacha. They all know that. The OU takes That's places... True. That's true, they need a different level of Hashkacha, but I'm not talking about a guy who could talk to you all the, all the yeshivas words and everything. You know, being a mashkiach is responsibility. You have to be a thin elegant guy to do it. It's not like... You're talking you about the mashkiach or the owner? And ask a couple on pace and you're behind the counter. It I'm sorry, you're talking way. about the mashkiach or the owner? Talking about the mashkiach, a place that says they have a mashkiach oh. I'm, I'm challenging the, the national organizations who put in very debatable people there, who go around telling everyone that the Haredi community is not machmed on mashkiach tamidi. We are, yet the people that they put in are, 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 are people that a lot of times, you know, don't look like they're the type that would care. And when you start asking too many questions, they, they don't seem to have the right training and answers. And I, I'm sure it's not that everywhere. But I, I've definitely seen too much of it. And I, I'm wondering, you know, where you think we're stupid or something? We're going to walk in and the guy's wearing a necklace with a ring and, and he's uh, Facebooking the entire time. And he says, yeah, 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 the food is yours and we're going to buy that. Come on. Okay. You know, well, it's, you're it's, you're, it's you're touching on a, a very, very many topics. And I'm just going to be, I'm just going to just take a, uh, let me, let me get, just take a moment off. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to, re- I have to forget, take care of my advertiser and I'm coming right back to you. Okay. Um, we were not going to forget the question. We just want to say a word about uh, Glotmart. I don't want to run out of time. You know, when I think of Glotmart, you think of price, convenience, and service, and quality. And at Glotmart, you can save plenty of, uh, uh, plenty of time using their uh, uh, valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Some of the products are on sale right now. Family pack filet steak, $9.99 a pound. Family pack ground veal, $6.99 a pound. Mendelssohn's eight slice pizza, six ninety nine. Began battered onion rings, two ninety nine. Uh, Kellogg's rice krispies, two ninety nine. Geffen egg noodles, one twenty nine. Geffen cup of soup, seventy nine cents. Dinner plates, nine nine inch dinner plates, one hundred count, four sixty nine. And at Gladmart, the, uh, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakasha Saklapush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, you're, at Gladmart, you're getting quality kashras. Gladmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Gladmart, tell them you heard about Gladmart on Kashras on the Air over J Root Radio. And now we're going to get back to the question this gentleman asked, which is a very important question. You, you want to know about the quality of the mashkichim. First of all, you should know that you can't always tell from the way somebody looks. Sometimes looks fool you. I'm not talking about the other parts of what you said, but just the looks alone. I remember seeing a young man who was wearing a, 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 a torn T-shirt and uh, who were just coming back from, uh, from uh, the drama society in his, in his college. And I knew this boy because I was very active in him becoming from. And he looked like somebody that, you know, you wouldn't respect at all. But he turned out to be a very fine rov. It's somebody that I knew, and he, and he became a very fine rov. But that was a drama. That was a drama society. That was a drama. Let, let me finish, please. That was a drama society. So sometimes you can't tell if the guy has a ring in his ear, a tattoo. 
this, then you've got real issues. But if you're talking about he doesn't look so from, he doesn't look like he's sincere, etc., etc., I, 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 I can understand that a person could be very sincere and be very knowledgeable in kashras and very concerned about kashras. Besides, he, he has only a certain tafkidim he has to do. He doesn't have to be a poisek. He has to be good in his eyes and his ears, and he has I'm to be I'm talking about if you actually spoke to the guy and you realize that, that he, he doesn't have a clue. Well, uh, I'm not being judgmental that a guy is wearing jeans and a small couple. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with if the guy takes it seriously or not. If you ask the guy where the meat comes from, he goes, I don't know, it's kosher, or what lettuce do you use? And he goes, well, we have a system. What's the difference? And you see the guy clearly doesn't have a grip. It, it, it's mind-boggling to me. How do you go ahead and say, well, we have a mishkir And if you ask around, Rebecca, don't trust me, ask people who've been to restaurants, especially in the city. It's very common. Not all places, but a lot. We ask people, you, you walk out of the dizzy trying to wonder how they can see the would, I would, the guy who just I, doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. I would I'm not talking about... And looks. I'm talking about an actual. I, I, I would I would recommend that you give me a ring. I'm, we're going to finish the phone call here, but if you'd like to, you should give me a ring. It's 718-336-8544. The reason I say that is because I, I don't agree with the the idea that this is a, a typical situation. I can imagine certain hashkachas that it applies to, and some that some people think are good, which may not be actually so good. But the regular decent hashkachas, they take pride on getting decent mashkichim, and I've seen a high quality of mashkichim there. I think that in, in, in Brooklyn, where they're paying sometimes $10 an hour, they're getting inferior mashkichim. It sometimes happens. But, uh, you know, that's the, it, it's, a, it's, an indiv- it's an individualized thing, and there are technical problems. And we, and we see, for example, if you, know, if you watch the situation, and I mentioned it here a number of times, what's going on here with the insect infestation, they, would, they got rid of mashkichim in, 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 on one of the hashkachas, and uh, they, they've upgraded. So definitely, it, there is a question of quality, the mashkichim, based upon how much they pay, etc. Uh, but I think that uh, the responsible hashkachas are taking this question responsibly. If you think you have any serious information, please share it with me at 718-336-8544. Okay? Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you very much for the input. You see, what, what you just heard is important for you to focus on. You could walk into an establishment, and without being a super sleuth, you could discover things there too. And really, on a certain level, we all have to be our own mashkiach. We all have to have our eyes open to a certain extent. You know, I was in, there was a, there was a restaurant in this Brooklyn area here, I think it's Flatbush, and uh, somebody told me he saw them, they were serving during the nine days wine. <laughs> Why? I, I spoke to the rabbi, he said, they served wine? Said, yes, uh, during the nine days. So what happened? It was very simple. A customer asked for it. Now, the policy is that they don't serve wine in the nine days, but the, the customer asked for it. So they, they did it. So they cheated. This guy caught it. Reported, we reported it to the, to the Hajkashras agency, and hopefully he did something about it for the future. But things do happen. You have to have your eyes on in your head, and you'll see things. Believe me, you'll see things. If you're an observant person, you will see things without looking too hard. If you do, bring it to the, uh, to the ears of either the Hajkashras or to myself, 
And uh, usually in these cases, we're able to make uh, tikkunim. But to say that the mashkichim are not good, I think that's a little bit of an overstatement. And I, uh, I, I, that some of them are not that well-trained, I'll, uh, I'll buy into that one. But I don't think that we should uh, make a general statement that uh, the mashkichim are not doing so well. I think that everybody who's in Ashkocha, whether they're well-trained or not, is taking it very seriously. I don't know people who gave up their jobs, who 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 were you know were maligned like that fellow was who was talking before about being the shamus and the I mean the 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 gabai in the shul and getting yelled at. There's some mashgichim I know who stood up, no matter what happens, got fired, lost their jobs, and they and they said, "I did it. I'll do it again." Because kashvus means everything. And I say we have to stand up to mashgichim. I think we have to respect them. I, every year I choose one mashgich and give him $1,000 just to keep the idea that, that mashgichim are really important and trying very hard, and I believe that. But of course there's a few weaker ones. Yeah, the, and, and just, the question is really how, how the, the, uh, how the che- uh, checking the, the mashgichim, so-called in the okay, premises. We offered, I think it was even on this radio yes. show, we had, I had here Mordechai Shane and myself. We offered, and we offered to different Rabbanim, we will train your mashkichim. We have a program. We, we had a, we'll do a course. We'll train your, your mashkichim. We'll train mashkichim for you. It, there's nobody home. I did have a training program. I did it for a few years running. And uh, I did it for a very important reason. I wanted the mashkichim to go up. I wanted to give them tools to be able to make more money and to become more important within the organization. It never happened. When I, because the, the mindset of the people that I had working who came to me, they didn't have the broad-mindedness to look further and further. Right now I have a man who is, I, I'm trying to propel him into a higher area. But in general, I don't have... Uh, I don't. I don't have that that quality. So, we wanted to have those training. Rabbanim didn't pick up on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's something that really should come certified mashgichim. It's a simple the concept, but there has to be uh, the cautious agencies have to be interested in it. Yes. Okay. okay. So I will thank everybody for listening. And next week, don't forget, we have a special guest. We, we have Rabbi Avram Wright who is a mechaber of different svarim, with an interesting note, especially around the, this time of year. We wrote on, uh, he, he wrote on, uh, I think, four, four svarim so far. And this one is about how, how to buy a, uh, I'm sorry, how to blow a chauffeur. It's a, com- it's a companion safer for his how to buy a chauffeur. So if you're interested in chauffeur in any which way, Tune in next week and listen to us here on Kashmir on the Air over J Radio. I'm waiting for the show. <laughs>